0: I imagine most of us find our lives pretty full and busy most weeks, but have you ever had one of those weeks where just either because you've failed to plan properly or just life through a bunch of things you had no control over, and you get one of those weeks that you've got so much to do, you're absolutely overwhelmed. Maybe what's going on at work, maybe your kids have got so many activities going on, you're coming and going. You find you may have some creative projects that put pressure on that you'll have to Stay up late at night or get up early in the morning, get ready, and even then you wonder if you'll be fully comfortable, as prepared as you are. I have those weeks sometimes, and when I do, I find myself getting really task-oriented mode, where I, I can block out times and say, I've got this much time to get ready for it, and everything gets regimented. Sometimes you push a th- few things the next week, which only makes that even worse, But doesn't it seem like whenever those weeks happen, invariably some emergency gets thrown in there that you got no control over? That seems to happen with me. Trouble is being a pastor. You have pastoral emergencies. You don't have much choice about that. That's kind of what we signed up for when we chose to become an ordained pastor. We were trained for that. We went in the ministry for that. We want to do that. But we'd sure like to be able to schedule those emergencies, you know? And if you're like me, then you find yourself in those weeks and you'll have these conversations with people. And as much as you try, you just can't make yourself fully mentally, emotionally present with them because your head's thinking ahead to the things you've got to get done, get ready for the next thing. And when that happens, sometimes we just are not as sensitive as we'd like to be. And, and if you've got a job like mine and Aaron's, and, and we, a lot of us have jobs like this now, in a more people-oriented, relationship-centered economy, everything's information-based, you've got a lot of th- things that are uh, beyond your control. And so you're always needing to do something. You could always be doing something to foster some connection or relationship or client. You should be writing thank-you notes or making phone calls or reading books about how to do your job better. And so this stuff always just kind of weighs on your minds. And when that happens, we don't deal with the interruptions very well. Well, today's story that was just read is a story within a story. And it shows us Jesus' authentic compassion and how he deals with those interruptions that came in his life as well, because he was no different than you or I. It's a story that we call a triple tradition, which means he shows up in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And because of that, we get quite a bit of detail, especially about this unknown and unnamed woman with the flow of blood. So Jesus is teaching in Jewish territory. He's been teaching many days to great and overwhelming crowds. But then he receives a personal request from Jairus to come and heal his daughter, who is very and seriously ill. We don't know a lot about Jairus, except he's described as the leader of the synagogue. And that means something very specific. It means he's not a rabbi, he's not a teacher, he's not a priest, he's not a member of the Sanhedrin, part of that ruling council but he is called the leader of the synagogue, which means he has the sacred responsibility of acquiring those persons who will read the Torah each time they gather together on the Sabbath. Usually, this person is probably a pretty prominent person in the community, which means he's likely very wealthy. And also, it means that he would normally have some misgivings about who Jesus is because along with the Pharisees who've been challenging Jesus, they think Jesus has claimed too much authority. But when you're a desperate father, you can throw theology out the window pretty quickly. He's got a 12-year-old daughter who's very, very sick and he's heard that Jesus heals and so he comes running, he forgets his dignity and he falls on his knees asking for Jesus to come. And help. And Jesus agrees to go, and the crowd decides to follow him to see what he's going to do with this ill daughter. And on the way, Jesus is interrupted by this unnamed woman. We never learn her name. She's basically a nobody who likely has no social standard whatsoever, especially when you compare her with Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. She's been isolated for the same length of time as Jairus' daughters has lived, 12 years. And for us to fully appreciate how much she is isolated, we have to understand the Jewish understanding of being unclean. According to Torah law, there was rules about what had to happen when certain things came along like illnesses you happen to touch a corpse of someone who died, then you'd be unclean for several days and you'd have to go through some ritual at the temple. Or a leper had to make sure that when they were traveling, that they see somebody passing by, they'd have to go the other side of the road and shout out, leper, leper, by law, so the person could stay away and make sure they don't catch what they might have. you find some of the Torah laws might even be based more on superstition, like this flow of blood of this woman. A woman who had a menstrual period was not supposed to touch anyone for that week. But here's a woman who's had this flow constantly for 12 years, which means she has been isolated, not allowed to go to the synagogue, not uh, allowed to be in any crowds whatsoever, so she is completely isolated and separated from the community. So I hope you can appreciate how determined this woman is who survived this isolation for 12 years. She suffered at the hands of doctors and priests. According to the Talmud, there was 11 possible cures for this particular problem. Most of them were about tonics and astringents. Some were pure superstitions, like carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in the summer or a cotton rag in the winter. Or try this one. I doubt your doctor would be prescribing this. Carrying the barley corn found in the dung of a white female donkey. My guess is she's tried them all in desperation. And so she hears that Jesus is in town. And she thinks, if I can just touch him, if I just touch the fringe of his garment, if he is who people say that he is, maybe, maybe I can be healed And so she covers herself up. She puts a veil over her head so that no one can recognize her. And she makes her way into the crowd. And when she sees Jesus pause, she touches him. And instantly, she is healed. And the interesting thing is, it says Jesus noticed the drainage of power from his body. And so he turns around and says, who touched me? I can't help but think it. Have you had those times when someone comes along that's kind of demanding and needy and you're just stressed having those weeks I was talking about? You literally feel the energy drain from your body? I kind of picture this a little bit like that for Jesus. And instantly she has that hemorrhaging. She stops bleeding. (laughs) I told you it's been one of those weeks. (laughs) But Jesus demands to know who touched him. She thinks that she's gotten away with this. And did you know that by touching him, she's actually broken the law, and she could be punished by death. But she doesn't slink away, she doesn't run, she turns, and she tells Jesus the whole story. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. You know, this is the only place in the Bible that Jesus calls someone daughter. So this unnamed woman represents a huge interruption in Jesus' life. Think about, he could be on his way to helping the daughter of someone who could really help his cause. Jarius is a prominent person, could help the movement that Jesus is trying to create. We know about those opportunities, don't we? Missed opportunities, a chance to touch another human being. It may have happened this week. It might have been a coworker, It might be your own children. Might be that stranger in a restaurant or a store. It is so easy in our fast-paced society to get so busy, to get caught up in the demands of our life that we don't really see each other. We live in a world that is so populated now, it's larger than it's ever been before. We've got more ways to communicate than ever before, but because we are so busy and overscheduled, we are more isolated from one another one another than ever before. Thursday I was coming out of St. Vincent's Hospital went to see one of our congregational members and it happened that Pastor Paul Ernst and I had arrived about the same time and so we left together. We were walking out of the hospital chatting when someone said, Jerry, Jerry. I turned around and there was somebody that I'd gone to high school with. Now, I've actually run into him a couple times since high school, but it had been a few years since I talked to him last, and so I kind of motioned to Paul, you better go on, because we're probably going to chat a little bit, and we start talking about a couple things from Plainfield, and I remember learning that his wife was going into ministry. They attended Morrisville United Methodist Church, and she felt a call, and I knew she was in the process, so I learned in this conversation she's now the pastor at West Newton United Methodist Church. And the interesting thing for me is that that church has merged with Aldersgate, where I used to serve, and so some of the people I used to minister to are part of her congregation. So we started throwing out names. And and in the midst of that, I, I asked him, so you've got somebody here in the hospital that you're visiting? And he said, well, yeah, my daughter, she's 36 years old, she had a heart transplant today. Now, you need to understand where my mind was in that conversation. So part of my brain is reminiscing about all these high school memories I have with Phil. And then another part of me is thinking all the names of people that his wife might know and sharing those. And I'm worried about the next thing I've got to get to because I'm going to go to a lecture down at the University of Indianapolis and I want to get to one more hospital before I go. And all this is going on and I'm not sure exactly how pastoral I was. His daughter's 36 years old, and she just had a heart transplant. And I remember saying a few things about that, but I'm not sure how pastoral I was in that moment. And I walked away from that conversation and started thinking, wow, his daughter had a heart transplant. And I barely acknowledged that. And it made me think of the times that I've had my daughter in a hospital and how much I wish somebody had reached out to me Because, you know, even if you're a pastor or a pastor's family, we still like being cared about and prayed for as well. I felt so bad about it that I I got on Facebook the next morning and found his wife's Facebook page and made a little comment that, that I would make sure our congregation prays for her. So will you pray for Rachel? Please do. She's doing quite well from what I understand. But life's like that, isn't it? We get so busy that we miss out on those opportunities to touch a human being, to change their world. So I encourage you not to lose your God-given humanity no matter what job you do. Those of you in the helping professions, don't forget why you went in that profession to begin with. Those of you just trying to make a living, I hope that you'll pause sometimes and stop and remember why you do what you do for the people that you love. Don't let life's frantic pace cause you to miss out on your opportunity to touch someone physically, emotionally, or spiritually. You know, when you look at the gospel accounts, one thing you discover is that Jesus never gets rushed. You think about all the stories. No matter what happens, no matter what pressures, no matter what emergencies, no matter what er- interruptions, Jesus never allows himself to get rushed. So, Here's this woman, and and you need to take note of what Jesus did for her. Not only did he heal her, but remember by Jewish law, she is still isolated. Until she is recognized as healed by some authority, she still has to stay away from everybody. And so Jesus took the time to restore her and say, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. And I hope you can appreciate how Jairus is feeling right here. I mean, his daughter is still dying. Matter of fact, it sounds like in the process of this, they receive word that she is dead. Can't you imagine him like, Jesus, hurry up. But Jesus is not to be hurried. He makes his way to where his daughter is. And even though now she is dead, and according to Jewish law, a corpse, and she, he shouldn't be touching her he touches her and takes her hand and says, Get up. And she rises. Because you see, for Jesus, he knew that every moment in life is in God's hands. Every circumstance in life is in God's hands. So he never had to be rushed. And that's the kind of faith he encourages us to have. James Moore, nine Methodist pastor out in California, in preparation for this. Scripture came up with a list, a list of about a dozen stories that you find in the Bible. Now, you have any idea what these stories might have in common? As you look through them, you might notice that every one of them involved an interruption in Jesus' life. Every one of them, he was on his way to doing something else when this occurred, and he went with a flow and dealt with the moment that was before him. He embraced the interruptions of life. And he used them to do something memorable enough that every one of these get recorded for eternity and for you and I to read. So doesn't it make you wonder how many special moments you might be missing in life because you've let the hectic pace of life overwhelm you and overcome you? Place those interruptions in God's hands. Ask God. What is expected of you in that moment? And my guess is you'll find that God will use you no matter how much you feel driven by this world that's full of its fears, its litigations, its regulations, and the demand for profit. Don't let them steal who you are. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, if there's someone here that feels like they're a nobody, maybe they... Be reminded of this story and know that Jesus has time for everyone. If we're one of those persons that have allowed ourselves to get so sped up in life that we've not taken time to pause and reorient to the priorities that we should have in this life, give us a moment to pause today and renew our connection with you and the people that we love. And if life has just simply overwhelmed us, may we know that it is in your hands our lives, you know everything that's going on. And somehow in the midst of all the grand work of this world, you still care enough about what's happening in our life and will work towards a purpose. Give us those understandings, those appreciations, those inspirations as we seek to be your people this week. Amen.